everyone. Welcome to another episode of 9 to 5 Faith. I'm here with one of my new friends, Lauren. Lauren, how are you doing today? Hey, Paige. I'm good. So good meeting with you. Yes. Happy Friday as well. Um, We're getting ready to enter into a weekend. Any weekend plans? Oh, man. Um, You know, I am actually preaching at church on Sunday. So I need to take some time tomorrow and go over my sermon. Um, But other than that, we're just going to enjoy being outside while also trying to avoid the heat. So yep. That's our plan. What about you? I feel you. Oh, I was just texting my husband. I was like, I need a haircut. I need a haircut so desperately right now. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, like my stylist isn't available. And I'm like, who can I find that like can get me in in a last minute? Because I'm like so close to picking up the pair of scissors myself. So either practicing great restraint or finding (laughs) a new hairstylist. When we all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 So can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do and um, why we're talking to you today? Sure. So my name is Lauren Vanderlinden and I live in Des Moines, Iowa. I work at Principal Financial Group. So we're a Fortune 250 company. And really our mission is to help make financial products accessible to all. Um, we we have a lot of employers who lean on us for 401ks, pension plans, ESOPs, any retirement products. We also have insurance and asset management. So I lead our annuities operations area. And so any processing that is needed for people to purchase an annuity product uh, rolls up through my organization. And I married my husband, Travis, and I, like I said, we live in Des Moines. We've been married two and a half, almost three years now. So we actually had a COVID wedding. Um, I don't know, Paige, when you got married, but Uh, you have to tell us. Six Um, and a half years ago now. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have us beat. You're double the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we got married. (laughs) We got married during COVID and, um, you know, things have been going great ever since. And, um, you know, I've one thing that I think is important to note is that I have moved around quite a bit in life. Uh, It made me who I am. But um, yeah, Des Moines is home right now. Right now. Has it all like, why Iowa? Like, why Des Moines? Oh yeah. So I was born here, born and raised here. I lived in Texas for a little bit, moved to Missouri in high school and college. And then I moved back to Des Moines. I, I love it here. Um, it's a really great city. I think it's kind of a kept secret. Um, but the winter like deters a lot of people away from living here. And I understand that too. I understand that a lot of my neighbors are from the Midwest and they are just escaping the snow. It's the only reason why they live here. So yeah. Paige, where are you? I'm in Arizona. So it is hot and oh. sunny here. It is like one thirteen today. That's so. Yeah, actually it's around a hundred here. The last week has been really hot, but Arizona is where we escape to in the winter. You're oh, so right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, lovingly call you guys all snowbirds um, yeah, because yeah. Our, our freeways get a little backed up during the winters um, because of all the snowbirds, um, but oh, it's yeah. always a good time. Absolutely. Great. So um, I know nothing of the financial space. <laughs> uh, have you always worked in that space? Have you always kind of been doing this? Like how did that kind of fall into your plan of things? 
Yeah. In college, I either wanted to be a dermatologist or a lawyer. Um, and then <laughs> I did an internship, right? It never goes how you plan it. I did an internship um, back up in Des Moines for an insurance brokerage firm. And I really just was drawn to finance. I've always liked math. So I ended up majoring in finance and then got a job with principal when I graduated from uh, Missouri State, actually, with my MBA. So, um, you know, everyone in this industry says, oh, I never thought I would be selling insurance or in retirement. Like it was right. never anyone's dream, but, um, I was in church when I first started my career and they were talking just about how, you know, God has ordained you and purposed you for your job. And I was trying to connect parallels. And, you know, there are so many examples in the Bible about storing up for the winter and consider the ant who stores up food. And, um, you know, when we think about that, it really is the same for retirement, which is what I work in right now. Um, but there's a lot of applications and biblical discussions around money and how we're using our money. And so that is how I connected that as I step into this field and continue working in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think like, yeah, there's like two in my mind, at least there's two camps of thought. Um, and like neither of them I think is wrong or right. I just think that like, there's those who are working in their space, um, for like some greater meaning, and then one thing that I've been taught through just talking through the guests on this show um, is that God can use where you're currently at in order to bless you in other areas in your life. Absolutely. And that has been like a really cool realization that um, I think a lot in the church, we talk about like your purpose and your calling. And like, when we say that, like, I mean, at least my brain goes to like, oh, what's your job? Uh, when really like your job is just one piece of it and like mm -hmm. God can work through your job in a multitude of different ways that doesn't have anything to do with your job Absolutely. and can do with your other life. Yeah, that is so true. Um, for a while, I felt I probably had that perspective where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm just working and this is how I make my income. And now like, what else do I have to do? for God? What, what else mm. do I need to do in order to have my purpose? And while I still do a lot of things kind of on the side and I have a lot of passions, I do feel like the Lord convicted me and just said, you know, I have you in this space and this is your mission field. And this is the world that I've put you in. So don't negate it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is very much a calling too. Um, but yeah, it's tough kind of, knowing where the line is between your purpose versus your job, your nine to five, yeah. and, uh, you know, everyone says, Oh, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, well, I love going to the beach. So who will pay me for that? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, actually no one will pay me to do that. So I think I need to get a job. Um, so, you know, you, you find yourself at this crossroads. Is it my purpose? Is it my calling? And, and, I think it all comes down to your perspective, kind of like you were saying. Yeah. And, and it's not limited to just one thing. I think right. that's something else that right. like how we talk about it um, gets distorted a little bit because I'm like, it's not just, you know, a purpose. It could be, mm -hmm. it's the purpose for whatever season you're in. Right. And so, um, you know, I think it was my first episode or the second episode that I did um, with my guest. And she was just saying like, 
she she's working in I, I I feel so bad I can't recall right now but she was working in some just kind of like random field that she like had never anticipated herself working in and yet like she was able to work from home and spend more time with her son wow. and that was her purpose yeah. for the season yeah. and like you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. it's not so uh like clear and like cookie cutter because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the times when we hear people preaching from like the pulpit it's a lot like this is my purpose is to like be a pastor mm-hmm. and like that's their only thing that they're doing and all that but I, I I'd argue to say that like for the 90 percent of us other Christians who don't work in full-time ministry yeah our right. lives don't look like that <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that my boss actually got saved while I was working for her a couple years ago. And now I don't, I did not lead her to the Lord, but it was so great having that connection after the fact. And she told us that at her church, you know, in their discipleship class, they said, okay, so you just got saved. Most people, after they get saved, they feel like they need to quit their nine to five and, you know, go live out their purpose in ministry or pursue something. They said, we love that passion, but don't forget that, you know, God has you where you are. And if we all quit our nine to fives and did ministry, we would be really ineffective at getting into those places where lost people are. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I love that. I feel like there's a more to her salvation story, or I mean, maybe there's not, but like, anything else that like you have to say about um like ministering to your colleagues and mm. your boss and all of yeah. that in in a secular industry it can be so hard um you know i actually had kind of i don't know if a faux pas is the right way to say it the other day but i i thought that someone was a christian i referenced like oh just leave it in the lord's hands it'll all work out And I could tell upon saying that they were, you know, they didn't receive that very well, Mm. um, just by their body language. And, um, you know, it got back to me that they felt I had mentioned religion and come to find out they've actually lost their faith. Mm. Um, so it's really tricky, especially when you feel like you're being wise and, and talking to the right people. Some of the really practical ways that I insert my faith into the workplace is when someone asks me about my weekend, I don't leave out church. Right. Um, that's a great way to talk about church. Um, if I'm preaching, I'll talk about, I'm preaching at church on Sunday, or I'm using this example. And then one thing that I've done is I actually have integrated the Craig Groeschel leadership podcast. Okay. Um, he's the pastor of life church and he has a really great leadership podcast and it's actually for business leaders it's not just for um, Christians or for ministers. Um, I got permission from our HR area and someone let me do it. Right. I didn't fill out a formal sheet or anything, but I got permission from our HR area to show these podcasts to people who are wanting to be in leadership or informal Mm. leadership. And the number of people who I've had ask me, Hey, what was that guy's name or what church? Like, I actually kind of like listening to him. Um, It's been really cool to see that. So those are just some ways that I infuse that into the workplace. Yeah. What about you, Paige? I mean, it's, it's rough for me. I, I mean, not that I'm a closeted Christian at my workplace, but it is very difficult to be able to 
speak into the lives of people who have very strong opinions against mm-hmm. Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and not saying, you know, I've been, I mean, there have been situations where like things have definitely been said against my faith and my beliefs and everything like that. Um, not pointed towards me, but just like mm-hmm. more generally speaking. Um, and it's, it's difficult also because one, I'm completely remote. I've never met any of my coworkers in person. Um, and the, uh, the other part too is, um, kind of the team structure of how we're kind of laid out is very much so, um, kind of independent in, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you show up, you do your work. If you have a problem, you go to your leaders. Um, and, but other than that, you're kind of on your own. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting dynamic to kind of find myself in. But I'd say more times than not, not that I'm closeted or shy about my faith mm-hmm. or anything, but um, it's definitely way more difficult to kind of infuse um, any talk about Jesus mm-hmm. into my um into my like regular conversations but Mm -hmm. they know I run this podcast so if they're listening you guys are welcome to church anytime um (laughs) that's great I know um okay that's I was just gonna say but that's about like the extent that I've ever been able to talk to my colleagues about um, what I do in my faith it can be so tough too because you really don't want to be off-putting in your approach and yet if I if I tried a new supplement or diet pill or whatever that changed my life. I would of course talk about it with the people that I see every day. Yeah. You know, Jesus has changed our lives. Um, and it can be hard to talk about. Uh, I know John Maxwell, he always, he he's coached a lot of senior leaders at fortune 500 companies. And he, will not talk about his faith until he's added value to their life. Mm. So before he wants to talk about, you know, his life and what's impacted him, he'll, you know, pause and wait and just build a relationship and build that trust. And I think that there are times where the Holy spirit prompts you to share your faith and you need to be obedient, but more often than not, it is that slow process of just building trust. That's most effective. Yeah, no, I completely agree too. And like, if you look at Jesus and his ministry and like, um, of course, like Jesus knew all. And so he was able to speak more into people's (laughs) lives in a much quicker fashion. But I think of like, how, how was Jesus able to, um, specifically minister to people and like, I guess like turn them around. I was going to say convert, but I'm like, that's not the right word. Um, but like, you know, get them to kind of repent and turn around Mm -hmm. in quick ways. And it was, it was through knowing them. Um, you know, the woman at the well, um, who had many husbands, you know, Mm -hmm. so to speak and all of that. And I'm like, Jesus, demonstrated knowledge of her and her experience um one because he's all knowing and so he knew that but like as a model to be able to get to know Mm -hmm. or to be able to minister effectively to the people around us um Mm -hmm. it first comes through knowing people Mm -hmm. that is so true so yeah i once watched this one uh youtube clip i couldn't remember who it is gosh my brain is just it's already on weekend mode. Um, but I was watching this one, um, YouTube clip and it was this 
guy, he was a Christian guy and he, um, he goes around and prays for people and just kind of interviews Mm. people about their faith. And he goes, you know, who you never hear people talk to is like the corner preachers and like kind of the hellfire and brimstone people and on the street. And so he went up to them and started asking them questions. And I was like, you know what? Like just seeing the humanity in, Mm -hmm. in everyone, you know, like, yeah in everyone um was he was able to like go up and like pray for these people not in a way that was like stop what you're doing but in a way just like meeting them where they're at yeah that's so impactful it's interesting because in our world today you know there's there might be a lot of offense or a lot of bitterness and we categorize people but i would want someone to just come and talk to me if they had an issue or if they disagreed with how I lived, or if they wondered why I lived, how I lived, even if they don't decide to do that too, I would want someone to just talk to me about it. So kudos to him for just going up and being willing to have the conversation. Yeah. And with people who you might disagree with their approach Mm -hmm. and everything. And, um, one thing I say to my husband, um, a lot is, like think about how much you think you're right mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. sometimes it comes up in politics, but like, mm-hmm. even like, yeah. even with your faith, think about how much, you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's how much they think they're right. Yeah. yeah. And like, when you're able to kind of like sit with that and just like marinate on that, you realize you stop um, demonizing mm-hmm. the other Yeah. Oh, that is so good. I thought about that when it comes to, I mean, I think politics is probably the the best example that we can all relate to, but I just remember seeing a post from someone I know who had voted different than me in the last election. Yeah. And what they were saying was exactly how I was feeling. And I thought, Mm. okay, so we are more alike then we are different. Maybe we disagree with the solutions. Maybe we think that, you know, we're we're not bought in on the other candidate for whatever reason, Right. but you know, we, we all want a better world. None of us want to be deceived. None of us want people in power who are going to manipulate us, you know? And if you can focus on that commonality, that is really powerful. That's how you're going to see change and unity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like the, the one thing that um, that I kind of rely on, especially when it comes to politics. But I also think like for the majority of people, of course, there's the people who like just up and turn their back on God and like curse him and all that stuff. But I I would say the majority of people, you know, don't fall as like Satanists. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I think like for, especially in politics though, we all kind of agree on the destination yeah (laughs) for the most part Mm -hmm. we all agree on the destination Mm -hmm. it's the how you get there yes that matters yeah for example and like not even saying what i believe but like think about like the topic of like abortion for example um people who want abortion to be you know freely accessible and easy what are they doing? They're caring for the mother, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like, okay, like we want to make sure that this woman is taken mm-hmm. care of. Mm-hmm. 
well, people who are against abortion go like, oh no, we want that too. Right. right? Like the destination is the same, but how you get there is very different. Same Mm -hmm. with like religion. And I'd argue to say like most people want to end up in heaven. Right. But like, (laughs) Yeah. We know most people want eternal life. Right. I mean, like, right. Most people question what happens after death. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I think the biggest disagreement is like, how do we get there? Like how, how, like, what's the, how we want to end up in heaven. Um, what's the, how. And so I think like when we're able to, and not to say there are multiple ways to get to heaven, I ain't preaching that Jesus, (laughs) but I think people are asking themselves that. And I think that when we are able to realize that, like, we're kind of all asking or after the same destination, it kind of like calm, like puts a calm in the room and gets everyone kind of like on equal ground a little bit. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people, when I see them get fired up the most, they're fired up because they think the other person party, whatever issue it is, doesn't understand what we're fighting for. And if you can right. say we have common ground of what we're fighting for, then I think you've, you know, you've taken the first step. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So now kind of realigning to, to the beginning of our talk, when you were saying like, Oh, you're doing a sermon this weekend, which is very exciting. Oh yeah. Um, what does your like weekly church involvement mm-hmm. look like? And then also, I'll also tack onto that. Like what does your daily relationship with God look like? Yeah, I love it. Um, before I answer that page, I have yeah. to laugh that we have already broached religion and politics, which are the two things you're not supposed to talk about in the workplace. Um, so Very we're going true. deep on the podcast Very today. true. But I will um, say, I will say it depends on what side you are on because, because that was kind of what I was talking about earlier is like, like I am not okay to talk about my religion, but if you are agnostic or, you know, atheistic and everything, it is okay to kind of curse God or like roll your eyes at Jesus believers or something. So Mm -hmm. you are allowed Mm -hmm. to talk about it, but it has to align with the, um, current what's the hot ticket of the moment. Yeah. And sometimes you just wish that like the freeway worked both ways, you know, that there wasn't a traffic jam on one side, but as Christians, that's one of the best ways we can shine our light is though they're trying to offend us, we refuse to take offense. Yeah. I mean, and we'll even cater to their offense. Right. I mean, to an extent. Yeah. Um, but I think I also just like looking out for those things to where like you can speak truth and accuracy to situations. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. My work, yeah. um, I work for an HR solutions company. So we are all about the rep- representation, legality, fair, mm-hmm. inclusion, yeah. all of it. Like that is like there. Okay. Like more so than other companies, I will say. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one thing that my company does that we have a really great communications team. I'm on it. Um, (laughs) bias, but it's fine. Bias, but we're great. Uh, no, we have a really solid communications team and even an internal communications team. Mm -hmm. Um, and like my company is a couple thousand employees. Like it's a pretty big company. Yeah. And, um, 
And one thing that they they put out like a ton of internal comms, meaning like anytime you want to know like when there's an there's an all hands meeting that comes from internal mm-hmm. comms for those listening who are like I don't know what that is, um or like if there's like um if everyone's getting the day off or the day after Thanksgiving, like they're the people who kind of arrange that and make sure it's communicated to everyone. And so, um, around Christmas of last year, um, because I have noticed, um, a tendency of, um, just in, just not in our industry, but just like culturally speaking of, Mm -hmm. you know, like taking the Christ out of Christmas, like, you know, doing that whole thing of like, not really understanding like what Christmas is about and same with Easter. And there's been like, you know, when you talk about Hanukkah or like any of like the big Jewish holidays or um, Ramadan even, right? Like you get a full and accurate picture of what those religious holidays mean. Um, Whereas like Christmas and Easter, you don't really. And so I paid specific attention at my work um, for Christmas and Easter this year, this past year. Um to see how they talked about Mm. Christmas and Easter. Yeah. And if they accurately portray Mm -hmm. the religious holiday that it is Mm -hmm. and they did, but like, yeah, they did. They like said like, Oh, you know, this is a Christian holiday where they believe like Christian or Jesus was born to a Virgin Mary or like when Jesus, when uh, Christians believe that this is when, Jesus was crucified and all of that stuff. Um, And I was just like looking out for that because not that I wanted to do a gotcha moment in Mm -hmm. case they didn't, but really I wanted the representation of Christianity to be accurate in my workplace. And so that is just like a little something that like, if you guys have anything like that at your work, that is something you can pay attention to as well. I love that. It's so cool that, um, you were probably in a position where you could have had influence too, but they were already on it. Yeah. That's yeah, so cool. They were already on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. The question. Back so it to was, you. Yes. So it's, you know, what does my church involvement look like? Right. Okay. This is, this yeah. is, um, I'm, I'm excited to answer this question. Yes. So when I first moved up to Iowa, I was a part of a church plant. I still am at that church. Um, but the church was launching. It was a, a new church and, um, our pastor, I had known from when I was younger, his dad was actually m- my pastor growing up and he was moving back to Des Moines and starting a church. And I was moving back to Des Moines for my corporate job. And I was on the worship team at a, a pretty large church down in Missouri. And I told him, you know, I'm happy to be on your worship team, happy to be at your church. And I can send you resumes of people who are on the worship team or, you know, resumes yeah. of people who would be good worship pastors. And eventually he was just like, yeah, you're going to be our worship pastor. Like I don't have, you know, budget to hire. I don't right. have you know, contacts. No one's moving to Des Moines for this. Like you're going to be it. And, uh, reluctantly I stepped into that role and honestly, it was, it was great for a season. I probably let it go on a little too long. I think it's important to not confuse spending time with God versus spending time working for the church or, you know, volunteering, um, in any capacity, 
both are important. Please, right. if you, if you're volunteering at your church and you're not spending time with God before you stop volunteering, um, figure out a rhythm for spending time with God. Don't just blame volunteering and quit everything to right. do with your church. That's an right. important piece of being a part of the body of Christ. But for me, that line definitely blurred. Yeah. Where I felt like just because I was doing things for the church, I was spending time with God and it can really leave you feeling depleted. And, you know, for me, I was, I was go, go, go busy all the time. And I didn't do a great job of setting boundaries. Something that I learned is that, you know, the person who's asking you to do things, they're not wrong for asking right. They're They don't know your capacity. They don't know if you want the opportunity or if you don't, you have to set that boundary for your own life. Yeah. And that was one of the things I learned. So working a nine to five job that as time went on, it got harder and harder. I probably should have stepped down from the leadership position a while ago mm. because I was volunteer, Yeah, but you know, God has timing for everything. I felt like he was calling me to step down very clearly. I delayed it a little, probably a little too long. And I had a conversation with my pastor just saying, Hey, I'll need to step down by April of next year. And I felt like I, at first I was going to say, actually, I could probably go till September if needed. I really felt in my spirit. Don't say that. April of next year, like yeah. Easter of next year is what it's going to be. So I, I held firm on that date. And sure enough, I started an author school the same week that I stepped down from serving as the worship team leader. Mm. And I felt like God was preparing me for that. Had I been disobedient, I never would have written my book. Right. Um, so I think it's all a balance of, um, spending time with God and making time to volunteer at church, but you can't do it all. And I yeah. probably learned that the hard way. Yeah. How do you think that churches can not better cater to people who work full-time, but like offer the bridge of understanding to that? It definitely depends on the church environment that you're in. I think it, it takes some conviction on your part to say, even if you don't understand why I can't serve this week, this is important for me. Mm. And I don't have a good reason. Like I'm in town. I don't have yeah. anything going else going on. I'll be at church, but today's my Sabbath. And I know that if I don't take this day, I will, I will not be able to meet um, the needs that God's placed in front of me for the next week. So yeah. some of that takes conviction from us to say, I'm not doing anything wrong by saying yeah. no. Yeah. Um, one thing that I am pretty passionate about, and thankfully my pastor has been understanding and always was when I was in the dual role, um, you need a Sabbath. Yeah. And for a lot of church people, if you're doing stuff on Sunday for the church and you work full time, I would caution you to not make that a weekly thing where you're doing stuff on Saturday and Sunday for the church. Right. You need a Sabbath and your church should be encouraging you to have a Sabbath. Yeah. Um, I, I feel very strongly in that conviction. Now there might be pastors who say, well, in the new Testament, we learned that Jesus is our Sabbath. So we can, you know, forget the law of the old Testament, but you would never say that about any of the other 10 right. commandments. Yeah. Uh, you would never say that murder is now. Okay. Yeah. So my personal conviction is that churches need to 
encourage people to take a Sabbath and understand when they do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like I've been really blessed at, at the church that I'm currently at in that the way that they treat their volunteers Mm -hmm. is they treat them as volunteers. Yeah. You know, like they're not whereas like me, I'm like, like recovering people pleaser. And like, I will always like, like I, I just met, I'm going to start working with our young adult ministry. And I just met yesterday, yesterday, I just met with the, uh, young adults director and, um, I was meeting with him and he was talking to me about like, Oh, like here's like the different areas that you can serve. And uh, here I'm just like, but where do you need help? Because that's where yeah. I'll be. Like, I'll, I'll help you wherever you need. Like, I don't care. Like if like, I have to, you know, break down chairs, like I can yes. do it. I will happily do it. If that's yeah. what you need, um, you know, always identifying where the need is and they're like, oh yeah, we'll get you on the schedule. I'm like, well, why, why do we need a schedule? I'll just show up every week. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, there's things like that where I'm your like, girl. I have to kind of like remove myself from that. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a church culture and I've never been like on staff or like in full-time ministry, but I yeah. think it, a lot of it is how, um, I can only presume, but it's how church leadership trickles down the message mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. church staff about these are, these are our volunteers, right? Right. right? Like, they're volunteering our time. And, and so, um, I mean, my, my pastor gets all throat punchy about, um, that's what he calls them throat punches. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Like the worst, the yeah. hard, the hard <laughs> truth is the hard truth. I'm going to butcher it. hard truth at the right time or said the right way or something like that. Um, but he, he straight up said, uh, the other day it was something on tithing and, and giving and everything like that. And he says like, uh, this was actually just this past Sunday, but he said, uh, to have one kid in like in ministry for the whole year costs us a thousand dollars. Wow. So we, if you have three kids, that's a thousand, that's $3,000 for the year. Are you giving wow. that much? Cause if you're not, you're taking away from the church. Wow. Like super throat. <laughs> yeah. I Speaking mean, specifically but... to like the members and the long, you know, yeah, not the first think... time people there. But, um, but I think it comes from the top down of that message of like, you know, he talks a lot about volunteerism, but the way that they treat the volunteers Mm -hmm. are like their volunteers and not like their employees. Cause I have seen it done that way. Completely. So, so different. And, you know, there would be people when I was leading the worship team who they would feel so sad or, you know, they would feel so bad, like declining a week or taking a week off. And I'm like, okay, I care about you more than I do what you can bring to the church. Mm, And that's hard when you're leading worship and you're like, I care about you so much, but if you decline, we don't have a drummer, you know, but you always have to keep that at your forefront. Like you as a person are worth way more to me. Like you as a brother or sister in Christ is worth way more to me than if we have to do an acoustic set this week, you know? And, and sometimes I think the pressure of, churches being excellent, which we absolutely should be. We definitely strive for a culture of excellence, but that pressure can keep us in a place where sometimes it's easy to, to use people. And I think it's just something we have to be mindful of because I don't think it's something anyone intends 
Oh yeah. And a hundred percent what you're saying. I feel like our, our church has a good volunteer culture and I think my pastor does a great job. I would hate for any of this to reflect poorly oh, no, on where no. I'm at. Oh yeah. But yeah. It's just something everyone has to be mindful of. Cause yeah. whenever you're on a mission to reach people, we as Christians should all agree that that is the number one mission. Yeah. But like, we cannot be Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible all the time. Like our cortisol right. cannot handle it. Right. right. Like it'll spike out of the wazoo. Yeah. So um, I think it's just important to keep that in mind as yeah. you're serving. And if you're ever leading someone who's serving. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, you know, that own personal like responsibility of like drawing up those boundaries, like you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. um, of like, they're not mind readers. Like, you know, they, they are just operating how they know how to operate. Um, but like you can inform them and educate them of like where you're at. Like I, earlier this year, my husband had, um, had a cancer diagnosis, like a cancerous tumor. And, um, at that time, like he was volunteering every other Saturday Mm -hmm. and I was the Saturdays in between. And sometimes we doubled up and any Saturday that we both volunteered, we did not see each other on Saturday. Um, and it was just like a time suck and an energy suck. And I just like told the, you know, volunteer, um, coordinator for where I, I help out in production. I was just like, listen, like I need to just not have my brain here. Like I need to be putting my whole energy at at home right now. And, and that was fine. And guess what? In September, I'll probably be back. So, you know, it's it's a balance that like, but it's something I had to draw for myself. And and I would encourage any of those people listening who finds themselves in the situation of like, hey, like, did you draw a boundary for yourself? Mm -hmm. Not, not to get out of volunteering, but to also make sure that Mm -hmm. you, your whole self is healthy. Mm -hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head. I want to tell a story about someone in the professional environment, but just to respond to that, um, you know, it's easy to look at what we're doing and say, well, I have other dreams and the volunteering at the church might be holding me back. Um, If you're not working on those other dreams, volunteering at church is not the thing holding you back, right? right? Volunteering is a really important part of being in the body of believers, but it's coupled with setting that boundary. Right. And so, um, the, the boundary story that I want to tell you, so I work for a fortune 250, um, similar to your business page. It's a large company. I worked in investor relations for a period of time, which is when we do earnings calls with the stock market. Right. Right. So, um, at that time it was earnings call season and our new CFO had just been announced and she was about, she was kind of stepping into the role and, you know, this would have been like her first earnings call. And we scheduled a meeting at 4 PM to go over things. Now earnings call, you're usually working until 10 PM for two weeks straight. Right. Right. So uh, we scheduled a meeting at 4 PM within the eight to five work hours. And she declined it and said, I can't. Connor has a basketball game. So I need to go see my son's game. And I just could not believe that our new CFO was able to set a boundary like that and still yeah. be promoted to CFO. Yeah. She was setting boundaries like this her whole career. And yeah. I'm thankful that my company still decided to promote her. Um, but she set that boundary. Yeah. When she got that meeting invite. None of us knew her son had a basketball game. Right. She had to set that boundary. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like things that come up with like work and whatnot. Um, I mean, me working in social media, like especially in the beginning of my career, that was like a really hard boundary, mostly because mm-hmm. like I took on way too much work without saying yeah. no, um, yeah. my own boundary, but like I'd <laughs> yeah. be working weekends yeah, and you know, not that like that time wouldn't, you know, get offset somewhere else, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that boundary in my life to be able to take a Sabbath where I like take a whole freaking day and mm-hmm. like do a whole lot of nothing. But like, even so, so I work in like the production side or I volunteer mm-hmm. in the production side at my church, which means I run their social media live streams, which is also what I like. I don't run live streams, but I'm on social media every single day because that's what I do for work. Yeah. And so I've told people and like, this is like the firm thing. I said, I will volunteer Saturday or Sunday. Right. Right. I'm not working on social media one day of of the week. Seven days. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I need at least one day to not yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I always say like, if it's a pinch and you really need someone like, sure, we can talk about that. But like, this is something that I'm setting for myself of like, Hey, like I need a day off of working off of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just like how you go forward and how you set those boundaries. And I think too, like even stepping into a secular workplace, It might not be a basketball game, but it's working on the weekends. Sorry. Like, unless you work for like Chick-fil-A or a bank or something like you're, you might have to work a Sunday, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, right. Or whatever day you decide for your Sabbath. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a hard boundary to set, but I always advise people do it at the beginning because it's easier to do it at the beginning and hold it up than like start Mm -hmm. something new. Yeah. Completely agree. That's just my own two cents. I totally agree. It's so important. It's, yeah. it's cool to see that we're on the same page with it too. It, yeah. You definitely, you know, you need both. I hate to see people use it as an excuse to not serve. Yeah. Um, but most people I found they're using serving as the excuse to not Sabbath and mm. you need both. Yeah. I've never really thought of that, but like, I think that's yeah. like a really good point. Like, yeah. Especially, and I mean, especially for like the people who are doing the serving like above and beyond, you know, kind of like what your typical church goer is probably doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are the people, um, I, what is it? The, the Enneagram twos, the twos who are just the helpers. Oh, the twos are the helpers and the threes achieve. So yes, the twos and the threes, we need to have a talk. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, I am a three and I'm a three wing two. So there you um, go. Yeah, that actually it's interesting because I know in our dialogue before the podcast, um, you know, one of the questions you asked was what's one of the hardest things you struggle with, with your faith. And mine would definitely be earning my salvation, earning right standing Mm. with God, um, thinking that, you know, a performance-based faith. Um, if I, if I didn't read my Bible today, it's a, you know, a a negative one. Yeah, Yeah. It's a ding. If I didn't read it in the morning, Cause it needs to be first fruits. It's a ding. Yeah. And my grandma really spoke some truth into my life recently. And she was a pastor's wife. My grandpa was a pastor and, um, she just said, Lauren, I couldn't get up early for, you know, 21 days of prayer, or even just like they had a Friday morning prayer service. She's like, I felt like I was going to throw up the rest of the day. 
Like I slept in, I went and did my job. And then I spent time with the Lord when I got home. And, um, I think remembering that, you know, if you convince yourself that by volunteering more and more and more that you are somehow in better standing than the person who has set boundaries, I hate to break it to you, (laughs) but you are only wearing yourself out. Yeah. 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 And then also like, it's like a heart posture. I mean, like, you know, it's like the work thing. Like none of us want to work like, but like (laughs) we end up, we, we do it. And same with volunteering. You're not always going to want to volunteer, but like, it is something that like, you know, that is, sorry. Uh, you know, that is something that we are called to do as the body of Christ. And, um, you know, taking it into that versus like, I'm achieving, like, I need to get this done. I need the A plus I need the gold star, you know, there's different heart postures. And, um, I think at the end of the day, like, that's what it really comes down to, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So important when you're serving I'm glad you hit the nail on the head with the heart posture (laughs) in anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Lauren, Thank you so much for joining us. I always like to end up end our show with one very fun question is what is something that our audience can walk away with today after listening to this episode and they can go and do to help them grow their faith, um, whether it's a practice or a discipline um, and not doing it for the gold star, but doing it for something else, doing it for our faith growth and relationship with God. I think one of the biggest things is, um, especially for people who are working at full-time jobs um, or have really busy schedules, you know, maybe your kids wake up early in the morning, as early as you, and you just can't fit in a Devo. Don't underestimate what one verse, what Mm. two minutes of prayer, what one worship song where you turn it on and you, you're able to shut out the rest of the noise can do for your spiritual health. Mm. Um, I've seen that in my own life where when I even just don't go to bed, unless I read one verse of the Bible, I am amazed at how God uses one verse to reset me, reset yeah. my heart, get me in a better you know, posture, um, have more faith for things. You know, God's word is living and active. So yeah. don't underestimate what even just one verse can do. Don't get in the mindset that because you can't spend an hour on a Saturday morning in God's word, that he's not going to be able to change your life and impact your life through it. Yeah. And then just another tangible thing with that. Um, for me, listening to worship on a regular basis, or even just Christian music really helps keep me connected to the Lord when maybe Mm. I am not prioritizing quiet time with God. And of course I always want to, but I don't, um, that's just the reality of it. But I always notice the difference when I start listening and not that all secular music is bad, but when I start listening to, to different things, worship music is what resets that mindset in my heart. And it helps me be the, the best version of me without really thinking about it. Yeah. So I would encourage your listeners to do that. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I definitely work out to worship music and Christian music. Oh yeah. And KB, you listen to KB? Yes. Yes. I have. Okay. Maybe I'll put like this in the episode link, (laughs) but I have an entire playlist and it's all, oh. it's all clean Christian yeah. rap. 
but it's like it's a good playlist and i it's, i need to follow uh, 45 it. minutes long but it's like a good workout playlist and i call it so good. jams and that's yeah. like my workout that i usually go to so oh i'll I have to it. link Definitely that in this episode in yeah. yes yes uh now lauren where can people find you where can they learn more about you get in touch if they want to follow you and your musings Yes, you can find me on Instagram at lauren.vanderlinden. I have a long name. My husband is <laughs> Dutch. So um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. If you search Lauren Vanderlinden, I have sermons that will come up. And I actually have a book coming out in the spring of next year, spring, summer of next year. And I'm so excited. I think it's really going to help people. Um, it's all about forgiving, releasing bitterness and moving on from past hurt. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us. It was a true, true pleasure. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. 